Well, I have a question. Um, have you ever wondered why a good God would send people to hell? Um, I know counseling um, frequently, I get that, or talking to new believers. We, I come across this question all the time, and it seems to be this great theological debate. Um, why would a good God send people to hell? And the truth of the matter is he doesn't. Um, I remember a couple years ago, listened to um, a man and he gave this incredible presentation and, and he said, you know, we, we've got it all wrong, right? Um, as people, we, we've fallen, um, we, we inherently do things wrong and in light of a good God where we are always wrong, there's always something there. And, and what had happened, what took place is the sin entered the world. Um, we, um, we were damned from the beginning, right? We were doomed that there was nothing we could do about it and it's not that a good God sends people to hell or punishes people or, or seeks to do that. It's actually the opposite, that, that we were already heading that way. And in our situation, in our brokenness, um, God presented a life preserver, that, that God reached out and he said, I want to save you. We have a choice in that. And, and when we look at that choice, that's what all of this is about, that, that we get to either choose to surrender to God and to experience the life that he has for us, or we can choose to live our own way. Now, our own way is always leading one way, and, and, and that's away from God. Or we can choose to, to reach out to his hand that's extended towards us and, and to grasp it and say, God, I, I choose life. I choose you. I choose to be rescued. And tonight's message is titled that, Rescued. Because when we look at our faith, when we look at what Jesus has done, he's rescued each and every one of us that would call upon his name, that, that would surrender to him. And, and I get this, that, that you may be in the room tonight and you may not buy into any of this, that you may be in a place where you are so far removed that you're here to get a paper signed or you're here because somebody promised you something in exchange, you lost a bet or any number of things, but you're in the room and you don't buy a lick of this, but you're going to suffer through it anyways. I want to challenge you to, to listen with, a, with an open heart, with an open mind to, to lean into what we're talking about because I get this, I know this to be true that, that away from God, your, your life isn't quite right. And if you're really honest with that self-evaluation, you'll come to one conclusion, one answer, something's missing. Now, you may be in here and you may love Jesus and you may follow him and, and I get that. I want you to sit back tonight. This is gonna be a little bit of a refresher, some, some encouragement, hopefully, about what we believe, what we know to be true already. Um, but, but hopefully you still find something that challenges you to grow farther, to, to be deeper in your relationship with Jesus and to pursue him more than you ever thought possible. And the reason we're touching on this tonight is because here at Cedar Point Recovery, everything we do centers around Jesus. And at least once a year, you know what? I like to do a good old salvation message, man. I like to, I like to be a bit of evangelist and really talk about, man, the meat and potatoes of what we do and why we do it. And here at Cedar Point Recovery, again, everything centers around Jesus. We believe that the first step is realizing that you're, you're screwed without him, right? And I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm going to get it from my wife later, but um, that, that we really need him. And then once you realize that you need him, the second thing is to surrender to him, right? To be saved, to, to be rescued and, and to pursue him in such a way. And so tonight, again, we're gonna talk about um, salvation and I wanna touch on four truths regarding it. Hopefully it'll be a quick message. Um, hopefully, um, hopefully it'll be a challenging message and, and hopefully 
by the end of it, if you're not a believer, you've leaned in just enough to let God move. And if you are, hopefully you leave here on fire just to share the truth of God with somebody else. And so as we get started tonight, point number one is this, we receive forgiveness through Jesus. We receive forgiveness through Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, then when we talk about our lives, that, that the only thing we should be concerned about is what Jesus can do for us. What, what we can surrender to him, how, how he can set us free. And this is hard, this is difficult, because I know my story. You know, my story, almost 20 years of addiction um, and, and even more time living apart from, from Jesus in that time that, that I wasn't a very good person. And through all of that, I hurt a lot of people. I committed a lot of felonies and, and other crimes, right? And, and there was things that I did. And so when I was presented with this truth, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. How could that be? And, and I would struggle with relationships that I broke, with family members that I hurt, with, with people that are no longer with us today that I feel some personal responsibility attached to. And I would try to move forward and it was a weight that, that drugged me down and sometimes caused me to stop dead in my tracks. How, how can he forgive me? Why would he forgive me? How can this be true? But, but it is that, that forgiveness is found through Jesus, that, that we're forgiven through what he did at the cross. And so as we begin to look at this, I want you to look at Romans 3, 23 through 24 to start off. And, and Paul is speaking here, the apostle Paul, and he says this, for everyone has sinned, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so when we begin to look at that, that's the truth, number one, that we talked about, that, that we were already, that we were already w without hope, that, that we were already heading um, to damnation, that, that we were already lost, for everyone has sinned. We're all in this boat, right? And so God's not sending us there. He's looking at our situation and he's trying to save us for all have sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God. Say, yet God. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that, like those but God moments. And I know in my own life, it was, I, was, I was heading to prison, right? But God, but God moved. That, that I, was, I was heading to a place where I would, I would be alone forever without, without family because I was burning every bridge, but God and, and so when I look at that, my life was full of mistake after mistake after mistake, and I was so far lost and so far gone, but God, you know, but God. And so when you're looking at your situation today, maybe you feel hopeless and maybe you feel so far away from him, abandoned and lost, but I want you to know that you can have a but God moment. That, that he can begin to move. And, and maybe you've been surrendered to him and you've been endeavoring to live the Christian life and to follow him, but your marriage is still struggling. I want you to know if you'll begin to reevaluate and re-surrender your areas, so you can have a but God moment in your marriage. Maybe it's your finances, your relationship with your kids, that if you choose to surrender and pursue him, you receive forgiveness and you can have that but God moment. It says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, in his grace, not in our ability, right? Not, not in what we can do or what we have, but God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. 
Here we believe that, that we're saved by faith alone and grace alone, right? Faith in Jesus and what he's done and the grace of God freely given as a gift to us. That that's the thing that sets us free. And so no matter what I've done, no matter the amount of sin, that in God's eyes, if I surrender to Jesus, I can have freedom. That I can set that down. Now I've got bad news for some of you. This doesn't apply to the, the court system, right? You may still have that warrant. You can't go in front of the judge and say, Jesus has paid it all. That's not how it works. But, but spiritually, you can have freedom, right? And, and I'm going to tell you this. Maybe, maybe you've really messed up with the wife, all right? And, and you can pray to God. You may still be sleeping on the couch tonight. But if you continue to pursue him together, you guys can have restoration in that relationship. You can begin to be freed. And so um, I love it. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. But how? How did he do this? He did this through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. That, that what we believe as Christians, as Jesus followers, and you may be new to the faith, I get it. About 10 years ago, I sat in a chair very similar to the one you're sitting in, and I had no idea. None of this made sense to me. But it's through the sacrifice of Jesus. God came down in a body, right? He, he put himself in human form, became vulnerable, and allowed himself to be sacrificed on a cross, blood spilt, life given up, dead, so that we could be set free. And he was resurrected. He conquered, conquered death. And through all of this, the penalty of our sins in God's sight were washed away, were wiped away. And as hard as that is to fathom, because I've had a hard time at points reconciling that, it's true. And when we lean into this truth, the guilt and the shame of our past can be wiped away. There's nothing more freeing than being able to stand before people and to feel good again because you know that God's done a work in you, that the God's restored you, he's healed you, God, that God's wiped it all away. And so he does this through Christ Jesus who freed us from the penalty of our sins. It continues, it says, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And so we begin to look at the work of the cross and through that, we find forgiveness. Through that, we find healing. Through that, we find restoration. And as important as it is to, to restore earthly relationships, that the forgiveness is God is not contingent on what other people think about you. That nobody in this room has to see your life as valuable in order for God to do so. You don't have to see your life as valuable in order for God to do so, but I want you to know that it's true, that this is what he does. Begin to, to grasp this truth. Begin, be, begin to hold on to it. Begin to plant it firmly in your heart. It continues and it says this. It says, this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. To be, in order to be right in a creator God's sight, right? God, the creator of everything. I mean, it's unfathomable that he wouldn't be indifferent to us and to where we're at, but he's not. And he moved in that situation and he makes us right in his sight 
through Jesus Christ. So John says this. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. That goes back to the, for all have sinned, we all fall short. But he goes on, he says, but if we confess our sins to him, to who? To God. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all wickedness. That he moves if we would allow him to move. That, that he does a work in us if we'd surrender to him. And this surrender, there's parts of it that are ongoing. There, there's times where I've tried to pick things back up that God had already dealt with. And every time I've done that, I've gotten off track. And so whether it's for the very first time or, or whether it's all over again, I wanna encourage you, I wanna remind you that forgiveness is found through Jesus and he is faithful and he is just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all wickedness if you would put your faith in him, if you would pursue him. As we continue, the second truth I want you to hear is this, the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. As Christians, we believe that the God is, is three in one. We have God the Father, we have Jesus the Son, we have his Holy Spirit. And, and to really think about this, what that's saying is that the God lives and dwells you when you believe in Jesus. He makes this home inside of you. That, that, that's, your spirit's renewed, but the presence of God is now with you wherever you go. And the beautiful thing about that is there's times where you may feel alone, but as, as a believer, the truth is you're never alone, that he's always with you. He's always guiding you, directing you, encouraging you. And, and through that, it gives us the ability to not only to seek change, but to experience change. And so again, point number two is the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. Ephesians 1:13 says this, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. That the God's spirit inside of us is an answer to a promise that God's given us. That as we believe, he indwells. As we surrender, he empowers. He does a work in us. It's not only that we receive forgiveness when we're saved, we see, receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It goes on and it says the Spirit is God's guarantee. Say guarantee. It says guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Think about that. You get to become one of God's own people. That, that his spirit indwells you and you become one of his, a son or a daughter of God, a child of God. That's really good news for some of you because maybe you don't have a great family. Maybe your, your mother, your father didn't treat you right. Maybe, maybe the people you come from here presently are not the best. But what's beautiful about this is not only do we receive God's spirit, but we're adopted into his family. And that makes us family, right? That, that, that makes this your home, that, that we, we care for one another because we're, we're in relationship with God and we enter into a relationship with one another, a part of the body of Christ. And that's a beautiful thing because here you find people that have your back that love you, that pray with you, that support you, that, that lift you up, that help you to find the success that you're looking for. 
And so again, it says the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. That God's purpose, the meaning of life, is not self-centered, right? And we think that so often. That's often what leads to our, our sin and our struggles. But, but through what he's done, what he's done for us, it was done with the intent that we would praise and glorify him. Continuing, we're gonna look at Galatians, Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy the freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Throughout the Bible, we get this picture of family. That God the Father, right? Jesus the Son. That, that when we look at that, those are terms of endearment. And I know me, <laughs> I know where I was. I used to have this picture of a God that was distant, that, that was cold, that was indifferent. And that's not the case at all. And sometimes we base that off of earthly relationships. Maybe you've allowed the picture of your own father to skew this truth. But, but God wants to be close with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And as he draws us in, he wants good things for us. And it continues, it says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own children. You're no longer a slave to sin. You no longer have to be a slave to guilt, to shame. You no longer have to be a slave to your past. You no longer have to be a slave. If you choose God, if you choose salvation, if you choose Jesus, you can call out Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. You can be a child of God through this surrender. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. When we look at heirs in the earthly sense, it's somebody who receives the benefit of the father, right? That, that if my father made me his heir and he passed, I get the benefit of what he had. And we have a God that's done that. He's adopted us into his family. And the benefit he's given us is eternal life, right? eternally being in the presence of him and his son, right? We, we get to experience freedom. We get to experience new life. And so I love that again. God has made you his heir. I encourage you at times where you feel distance, where you feel less than, where you struggle with value on your life, that, that you're God's heir. Any of us that would call upon Jesus, that would surrender to him, we become heirs of God. As we continue, I want us to look at point number three. It says, God gives us a new nature when we are saved. A new nature when we surrender. A new nature when we become his heirs, his children. And I like that. If you look at the nature of something, it's kind of its being, its presence, what it is, right? Kind of like its essence. And I know this, before Jesus, the nature that I wore was one of, of disobedience, it was one of anger. Um, it, was, it was destructive, which I can still be at times. Um, but there, there was nothing healthy about it. But again, God gives us a new nature when we are saved. First Peter 1.22 says this, as you are cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Again, we get that picture of that's that forgiveness, that mercy, 
that it's taken away. You're cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And so what we begin to see is this transition that takes place. You were slaves in your old life. You were slaves in your sin, slaves to whatever you chose to surrender to. But as you surrender to God, there's freedom. And we put on that new nature. There's a shift that takes place. And it starts here. It starts within, inside. And sometimes we lose sight of that. Because what happens is even though we're created anew on the inside, the things on the outside don't always follow as quickly as we think they should. But I want you to know it doesn't make it any less true that God does a work inside of us and if we continue to pursue him, surrender to him, that he continues to work on the outside as well. It says, love each other deeply with all your heart for you have been born again. Say born again. Born again and not to a life that will quickly end your new life. Say new life. New life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And so... This old ends, right? The old is gone, a new is begun. That's that new nature, that transition that takes place. That's what we should seek. That's what we should pursue. That, That when we look at our relationship with God, something should take place. That if you continue and continue to do the same things, but but claim to be a child of God, you're missing something. Something's not adding up there. That there should be some type of conviction. There should be some kind of work taking place because we should put on a new nature as we're born again. And it says, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That's that new nature. That again, through surrender, through salvation, God has given us everything. Say everything. Everything, everything we need for living a godly life. There was, there was so long as I came into the church that I struggled in the same sins. The, the same life, nothing changed, nothing shifted. And, and I've, I've preached on it so much. But, but I was missing something. There was a truth that I was missing. And I continued to make excuses for the way I behaved. I continued to make excuses for the fact that I kept falling down. And, and I blamed it on my family. I blamed it on my DNA. I blamed it on, on everything but the truth, which was I wasn't surrendered to God. That, that even though I confessed with my mouth, I didn't believe the whole truth in my heart. That, that even though I declared publicly Internally, I held on to things and I refused to give it all up. But here we see that by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That, that upon salvation, upon receiving Jesus, the beautiful thing is you're fully equipped. You're fully prepared to live a godly life. And anytime we miss it, hard truth is it's by our own choice. It's by our own lack of obedience. It's by our own lack of discipline that if we choose to fail moving forward after we've been indwelled with his Holy Spirit, right? We become a temple of God. We're journeying with the creator. We're in his presence, his family. And and moving forward, we can continue to choose the old life 
or we can put on the new nature, right? That's given to us that salvation at rebirth because we're equipped to live that godly life. This is by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, that, that we no longer are subject to this broken world, that the nature, the sinful nature we're born into, but we can share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That we can escape these things through surrendering to God. And, and there's many that will teach you. I believe in, in contrast to God's word that, that you're just subject to whatever cards you were dealt. That, that moving forward, if you mess up, it's not always your fault. There's a lot of things I do that I'm not proud of. And, and I'm not up here as if I'm perfect. There's things that I've done in the last two hours that, that I don't wanna share up here. And it was by choice. And I can blame whoever, I can blame <clears throat> whatever situation. But the truth is that in those moments, I didn't choose to be surrendered. I didn't choose to wear the divine nature of God that he's given me. I didn't choose to, to use the tools that he equipped me with to live a godly life. I chose to pick up things of this world. And every time I do that, I find myself in failure. I find myself in embarrassment. I find myself stepping back into what, what he's freed me from already. And so again, it says, and because of his glory and excellence, he's given us a great and precious promise these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. As we jump forward, we're gonna look at Colossians 3, 5, and it says this, it says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Have nothing to do with them. Sounds like a choice if I ever heard one, right? You can choose to pursue the world all you want or you can choose to pursue what God has for you. So, have nothing to do with these things. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world. We, we, we used to live all sorts of ways. And, and I love this saying, I steal it all the time. My friend Don Long, we don't live that way no more, right? That as we come into, real, I'm gonna make a shirt out of that at some point. I just, I love it, right? That, that we don't live that way no more. That when we surrender to God, like we can choose the old life, the earthly things, or we can choose something better. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. I'm not gonna be saying it's gonna be painless, but it's possible. Stop convincing yourself you can't do it. Stop convincing yourself that you gotta run back to the same crap time and time again. That you can choose something different. And, and if, we, if we don't, We'll just keep living in the old life. And we'll keep wondering why God's not moving. Again, I, I was in the church for years, drinking, carrying on, running around, acting a fool, the same way I acted outside of the church, and it was completely by choice. And it wasn't until God, until I woke up and realized what he had already done that I set things down. That, that I, I just was like, I'm done. And so again, it goes on and it says... Um, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, 
rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. I don't like that one. I struggle with that one. I need to probably take that one out of there. So, um, <laughs> Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. That we should have nothing to do with these things. And again, I'm standing up here as, as somebody who still struggles. It's hard for me to hear. It's hard for me to read. The conviction's real. It doesn't mean I should run away from it. In fact, it means I should embrace its truth. Begin to set it down. Allow God to, to continue to the work in me that he's begun. And then it goes, put on your new nature. Say new nature. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. When we look at this, it's a process. The really churchy word that I don't really like to say because it pushes people away is sanctification. That, that as we come to know God, we put on our new nature. Um, I got up this morning and I put clothes on. Thank God, right? You know, we're all grateful for that. Um, it was a process. And the older I get, I mean, it can be more of a process. Putting my boots on can be a struggle sometimes. But it doesn't happen instantly, right? I don't leap out of bed dressed and ready for the day, right? It, it's, I've got I've to put my clothes on. Well, the nature of God is similar. That is, we, as we surrender to him, we begin a process of doing away with the dirt and the filth on the outside. God's already dealt with the inside and, and putting on our new nature, getting dressed in it, learning it. And we learn it by knowing our creator God, by being in relationship with him and pursuing him, surrendering. And, and we begin that process. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And that word renewed, when we see that, in salvation, you're, you're spiritually made new in an instant. In an instant. But it's the... The habits that take time to break, it, it's the stuff on the outside that we have to surrender that, that, that sometimes they're not dealt with as quickly as we'd like. Now, even though it can take time, doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't give us an out to keep doing it. That we should pursue the perfection that God's displayed through Jesus. We should pursue the example that's been given to us through him, put on our new nature, Become like God as we get to know God. And it continues and it says, this, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. You know what I hear? Doesn't matter what family you come from. Doesn't matter what, what neighborhood you come from. Doesn't matter if your mom and daddy's brother drank all day long. It doesn't give you an excuse to keep doing it. None of that matters. All that matters is Christ living in us, working through us, dealing with the things inside of us. All of these excuses that we try to drag up, well, you don't know what I've been through. I don't. And it's probably horrific. What matters is Christ living in you. Well, you don't know where I come from. You're right. I bet it was bad. It doesn't matter. All that matters is Christ working in you and through you, right? That, that we go come to know him. We come to pursue him. He does that work. We put on that new nature and become like God. 
It says, in this new life, it doesn't matter. If you are Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slaved or free, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. All of us that would call on Jesus, all of us that would surrender to him, all of us, all of us that would choose to be Jesus followers. All of us. As we wrap it up, moving to point number four, I want us to look at this. Salvation brings us into fellowship with God. We hear this in church. Um, I didn't ever hear it before I came here, but it's, many of you probably know that Jesus didn't come so we could have another rela- or religion. It was so we could have another relationship, right? And it's so cliche, it becomes white noise. Doesn't make it any less true, right? That, that what he came is for relationship. That there's things I can have with my kids. I can give them all the rules in the world. But you know the thing that really matters to them that impacts their life the most? The time they get to spend with me, right? Nothing speaks to them louder than, than relationship, that one-on-one. They might follow my rules, they might not, but, but what really speaks to them is my, my time, my presence, my love. And, and the beautiful thing about God is, is sometimes we've convinced ourselves it's all about the legalization and the rules and the do's and the do nots and all of that. The thing it's really about is fellowship with God. That, that we were saved, we come to his presence, as we come to know him and be like him, God deals with so much. God restores and heals and frees as we come into relationship with him. And again, salvation brings us into relationship with God. First John 1, 5 through 6, it says this, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. That can hit pretty hard when we go on living the same life. I, I've encountered people, some in my family, that will just do whatever and then they say, I'm saved and forgiven. And right here, man, God's word's clear that you're, you're bullcrapping yourself, okay? We need, to, we need to begin to live and be like him. And then it continues, says, but if we are living in the light, or if we're pursuing God in relationship with him, surrendered to him, as God is in the light, and then we have fellowship, say fellowship. fellowship. We have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We come together in unity with God's church, the body of Christ. We experience the presence of God through this surrender, through the salvation. And it's such an incredible thing that I know me, there's so much there. I couldn't sit here and even tell you all of the horrible things I did, much less the not so horrible things. I can't remember them all at once. But even in that, God would, would want to commune with me, to be with me, spend time with me, love me, and dwell me. It's such a beautiful picture. And when I begin to think about that, that sense of hopelessness fades, sense of despair is dealt with, the loneliness is gone. I feel strengthened and encouraged. And even though I may not have it all together today, I know he's still with me, loving me and helping me to grow and to pursue him. And so again, point number four, 
as salvation brings us into fellowship with God. To recap tonight, point number one is this, we receive forgiveness through Jesus. It's so important that we understand that. Stop carrying the weight of your past with you. Stop carrying what you've done with you. And I'll say this, that doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with the people around you, that you don't have to ask for forgiveness and seek healing between them. But just know that, that with you as an individual, God's dealt with the things in your life. Number two, the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. That, that we become temples for God's spirit upon salvation. He, he lives in us, he indwells us. Number three, God gives us a new nature when we are saved. A new name that, that we get to put on new clothes. God, God deals with the things that we struggle with when we're saved. And number four, salvation brings us into fellowship with God. That, that through, through the work of the cross, we're never alone. Through the work of the cross, we have relationship with creator. And so again, salvation brings us into fellowship with God. Our action steps tonight Number one, surrender to Jesus. True change comes through Jesus. Surrender, that come into relationship, get saved. It's the most important decision you can ever make. It's the thing that, that changes everything. It's the sole reason that, that I even stand before you today. It's most likely the only reason I'm still alive today. It's to surrender to Jesus. True change comes through Jesus. Number two, celebrate. And if you've, if you've made that decision, celebrate it. Even if you didn't make it today, celebrate it again. And I wanna encourage you to this. If you've never been baptized, get baptized. This Sunday, we're doing beginnings weekend. We're, we're doing baptisms during our Sunday morning service. What a beautiful time. Start the year off right. Man, showing everybody that, that what happened on the insides now, now it's excitement on the outside. Get baptized. Number three, begin to read your Bible and learn more about God. Remember that we, we do all of this by, by becoming close to our creator, by, by knowing him and living like he lived. And the best way to do that it's by reading God's word. It, it reveals to us who he is. And so again, it, everything, everything we do, everything worth doing centers around a relationship with Jesus. It's how we find freedom. It's how we're rescued, right? It, it's, it's how that, that we get to put on that new nature. It is the single greatest decision you can ever make. And you don't have to leave here tonight alone. Maybe you came into this room, this building, and, and you were dealing with hopelessness, with despair, right? You were dealing with, with a struggle that you didn't understand. You felt like something was missing. You don't have to leave that way. That, that tonight at the end of service, we, we want to we offer you a relationship with Jesus that, that you can be prayed for, that you can pray to receive God. That through your commitment, through your faith alone, and through God's grace alone, you can have salvation. And so here in just a moment, we're gonna end service. And when we do, we're gonna have some people up front. And if you're in here and you're ready to make the greatest decision of your life, you're ready to surrender to Jesus, to call him Lord, we wanna invite you out of your seat and down front with one of the people up here. And we would love to lead you in a prayer and pray with you and for you so that you can receive him tonight.
And then maybe you're in here and maybe you've done that, but you've gotten off track. You've missed it, you've messed up. And you're just looking for your way back and you're wondering, can I do that tonight? Can I come home? Can I come back into relationship with him? Absolutely. If that's you, if you're ready to make that decision tonight, the same offer applies to you. We would love to invite you down front so that you can come back home. We would love to pray with you and for you so that you can recommit tonight. And then maybe, maybe God's been dealing with something in your life. You've been struggling, you've been holding on to something and, and God's just been dinging you tonight. And it, he's saying, you know what? It's time, it's time to put it down. It's time to put the addiction down. It's time to, to put the broken relationships down. It's time to seek restoration and healing. Can I do that tonight? Absolutely. I want to encourage you to come pick up our, one of our white chips. It's, it's an act of faith when we step out of our seat, when we come down here and pick one of these up. And, and I believe through that act of faith, God begins to do a work in us. And so if that's you, if you're ready to surrender something tonight, I want to encourage you to come down front and get one of our white chips. And then lastly, maybe you're in here and you just need prayer. And you're just, you just want somebody to journey with you. We would love to do that. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you. And so if you're in here tonight and you just need prayer, we want to encourage you to come down as well. So for any of those things, to make Jesus Lord of your life for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.